Welcome back to Incremental, the Continuous Improvement Podcast. This is our practice edition where we try to wrestle the concepts into real-world improvements in the shop and in the business and hopefully yield some positive results, or if not, at least some learning which we can uh, put back into the system and improve how we go about making improvements. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I'm Maria Eisen. I'm Devin Bedoni. Got a quote? (laughs) This is Incremental. Uh, neither the voice of authority nor the weight of reason compare to results from an experiment. As I'm saying this, I feel like maybe we have used this one again. We're at some point, but maybe we just read it. In any case, it's a good one. <laughs> it is a good one. Um, yeah, I think this gets back to um, the idea of moving away from opinions and what people think and like having meetings where you sort of go with whatever the most um, compelling person is rather than just being like, okay, here's some ideas we came up with. Let's try them and see what happens. And often what happens is not what everyone guessed would happen and it could be better and it could be worse. It is. I think also this leads to sort of a logical conclusion. If you're trying to run a business and sort of touching on something that we didn't get a chance to talk about last episode, which is just disruption in a business. I think as soon as you start trying to make decisions based on results, based on actual experimental results, yeah, um, you have to run experiments, obviously. And as soon as you realize what's how much disruption a lot of those experiments can create you will tend to make them the changes small which is oh interesting something that we keep coming back to in toyota kata and in general is these small incremental Mm. improvements um because i think if you are trying to run these large experiments it'll sink you basically but you still want to run experiments so they need to be these kind of bite-sized pieces yeah, it's something we keep relearning and I think we are getting better at it. It's just like, I feel like we used to dive into improvements of like, we're going to improve this. And now yeah. we sort of dive into of like, this can be improved. I wonder what this, I, I wonder if this is the way. Yeah. Right? Like, how can we test that? Yeah. Um, it also comes back to the target condition concept, mm. which I think many of us, certainly myself, um, you know, we, we have a, problem of some sort in a business and we chew on it and we stay up in the middle of the night thinking about it and we talk with our our uh, folks at work about how we might solve it and then at some point we say okay we're gonna fix this here's what we're gonna do which is you've sort of skipped the whole early phase which is like the target condition phase you you've just kind of like decided on, on an implementation that's true and that becomes the goal it's the new implementation the rather implementation than, becomes the goal and there's yeah. this idea of target conditions of saying we want to achieve this well like the big target condition in example in toyota is one piece flow right? right like they're clearly not there they are striving towards that but it can be small things too where you can be like what would an example be I mean, For me, it'd be like, we want to get all setups down to less than 20 minutes. Yeah. Right? Like, we don't have a pathway yet. So it's yeah. a, it's just a target. And 
the hurdles are large and that's where the experiments come in is trying to figure out how to achieve that target not just let's implement this theoretical solution to maybe get our setups down i think interesting i i feel like yeah don't let the I don't know. Don't let the implementation become the goal. I feel like that is such an easy trap to fall into where mm-hmm. you, you go like, wow, oh, we need a space for this or something. And then you're like, all right, we need a new desk. Let's build a desk. And then you design a desk and you build the desk. And it's like, all right, we did the thing. Yeah. But if you look at a three, you've skipped a few really critical parts. A large chunk of that is the beginning of like, asking the five whys and is this and then setting like what is the current condition yeah what is the target condition and then the last stage of did our little experiment like what were the results and how does it compare to that target condition yeah and i think it's also like focusing on making implementation the goal really quashes creativity I think interesting it like reduces your number of possible outcomes it's so funny it's like so habitual I'm just thinking like we're having an issue where we're tracking dust into the shop because right outside the shop door is like crushed gravel with a lot of yeah dust in it so it's really annoying it was less of an issue we redid like we opened a new door into the shop and so now you're stepping directly into the shop instead of sort of walking through another room where a lot of that stuff would fall off so we're noticing it a lot more yeah and in in this conversation, I'm just realizing like already that problem in my head is now about a solution that we came up with, yeah, which is getting those rubber mats with the holes in them mm-hmm. and putting them outside the door. So like you're ste- you're taking a couple steps on a non dusty surface right. where dust can sort of fall through, and then putting one inside the shop. So again. But like it'll be fine in, my... in a minute because it's raining, so it's going to become mud. <laughs> oh, great! Yeah, the dust will be gone, just mud. <laughs> so in my head, it's already transitioned into like the problem is solved once we buy these mats and they arrive and we put them down. Yeah. Instead of like, all right, the next thing we're going to try is getting these mats. I wonder how much dust that will reduce in the shop. Uh huh. Which is such a different framing. <laughs> It is, yeah. It's very hard. It's to funny. Yeah. Just then talking about it, I'm like, wow. Like, I, I do that so habitually where it's like, we have a problem, and then you think about how to solve it, and then you come up with a solution that's exciting, and you're like, that's the solution, and then you implement it. Yeah. Which is absurd to even say you come up with a solution, I guess, even in saying that, right? You didn't come up with a solution. You came up with, a, at best, a possible solution. <laughs> right. <laughs> came up with a an idea. Yeah. That has no bearing on... There's no way to really... Yeah, it's kind of like without the target condition, there's no way to um, sort of judge its effectiveness. It's very uh, objective. Yeah. It's very subjective. I think Toyota, they talk about like buying slower machines and buying, I don't know, not worse things. They're actually better, turns out. But Uh in document and being very clear about what boxes things need to check. I think otherwise you sort of go out there to buy a tool or a piece of equipment or whatever, improve the shop and you sort of end up using like quote unquote quality or cost to gauge yeah. how good the thing is. Uh-huh. Right? Like putting down flooring, you'd be like, well, let's get good flooring instead of like, what are the things it needs to do? How long do we want it to last? How, like then yeah. you document it and then you compare it and you say, 
oh, <laughs> you know, that really quote unquote good flooring is actually less chemical resistant and we have chemical. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. You want to jump into some, should we talk about some improvements? Some, some things we did. I did nothing because I, I do not believe that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I mentioned last week that I was shutting down production for the day. Yeah. To try and bang out the electrical work in our new shop. That ended up being three days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, more or less all hands on deck. And gotcha. Th- well, yeah. Kind of three days. And then our phase converter went down. So. Oh, God. Yeah. So we did not do a lot of A, production or B, improvements in the classical sense. But we did run some nice conduit, I have to say. Very nice. <laughs> Mostly Corum ran nice conduit. You can tell where I ran conduit. <laughs> Cause it's, I'm not nearly as attention to detail focused on that kind of stuff. Nice. As he is like his, is, his is perfect. That's awesome. It is. It is great. Like it's happy to pay for that. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I'll bang through some and we can, uh, you can grill me on. Okay. You know, putting my grill hat on good, uh, <coughs> good process. Um, we moved the meeting area away from the machine Mm -hmm. because it's loud and it's normally running yep and it was convenient because it's the enclosure is steel and we use a lot of magnets and so we have this identical issue yeah so i finally now that we have the upstairs access Mm. screwed you know screwed a whiteboard a magnetic whiteboard to the wall up there so we moved our meeting up there which i think is gonna be nice to start to have all the equipment we need to run an efficient meeting like before it was a little ad hoc because that area was really optimized for production. And yeah. so sort of setting aside a space, I think we'll start to come up with new ideas for how to build a better, like how to run a better meeting. Yeah. And as you're saying this, it's making me realize that we're going to need to make our job board whiteboards and all of our, all of that stuff rolling. Mm because it's i think it's very critical to have that stuff central in the production space yeah for during production but it's also pretty critical to have access to that while you're having a meeting interesting and so i think it'd be nice to be able to roll it somewhere quieter right like our break room in in the new space i guess we could have done that in the current space sort of but um, yeah making it mobile seems pretty key yeah, I'm wondering. I think inherently we are approaching the morning meeting as in saying this. Yeah, right. <laughs> as a something we need to something we need to do, but it's disrupting to it's disruptive and takes time away from production. So you might as well get the machines going and uh-huh. then do a morning meeting, uh-huh. which on one hand makes a ton of sense. On the other hand, I wonder if it it sort of is very it, it it reeks of we're here to produce stuff yes right <laughs> not we're here to improve systems yeah but also we are here to produce <laughs> stuff so i don't know <laughs> i don't know I agree. anyway we often stop the machine yeah while we while we chat cuz it's obnoxious yeah they're loud yeah. um interesting anyway so that was that uh what lean waste does that reduce? Which? Moving our produ- our, our meeting area. Um, hard to say. 
the what is it the tenth the ninth confusion the ninth confusion <laughs> um it feels more like uh yeah i'm not sure that's funny wasted human pot- i don't know anyway i'm not gonna try to shoehorn it <laughs> in i guess but um that is funny we all know that it's better but why yeah it sort of feels like it would be confusion i mean there's legitimate like defects because you can't hear what somebody said <laughs> <laughs> defect yeah <laughs> that's true um yes yeah, so i i added a banister um i feel like it's easy to say safety first but doing it is harder than saying it yeah 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 I mean, from every perspective, I feel like there's just so many examples of medium safety that can sort of just get kicked down the road a bit. Yeah. And you, it's hard to just be like, no, we're stopping. We're doing this thing right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That was an eye opener when I first had employees Mm. and it wasn't, wasn't huge things at that point, but it was like, oh, we need a first aid kit. Right, <laughs> like I never just never had one because yeah. I didn't prioritize it for myself, and those kinds of things were like, oh, this is actually well, probably legally required, and yeah. also fundamentally important to just be responsible. Right. Yeah, it's funny. There's there's ones that I like really I know I'm not willing to compromise, uh-huh. like breathing toxic chemicals, for yeah. example. Like some shops have who do paint. It's like. Uh-huh. pretty terrible you know we've added like hoods to anything that smells basically and pull it out of the building yeah that's one i'm pretty serious about um but yeah it, it's easy to just not it, it's funny to me like when i had the same thing when i hired people and then there's tasks that i sort of felt uncomfortable asking them to do so i would do it yeah you're like wow i'm really not <laughs> valuing my <laughs> own safety uh-huh. uh anyway um and then I guess, well, I don't know if we need to dig into it for adding a banister and safety in general, but I would say in general, I think it's easy also to forget about like fundamental to reducing batch size is process availability, mm-hmm. right? We talked about this when I trimmed the highway to the shop, uh-huh. right? Because we bike to the shop. Yeah. And if you need to swerve into traffic to get around a branch... Or like I've been trimming some blackberries that are laying on the shoulder, so there's thorns. So now if someone gets a flat, they either miss their ferry going home, which is a bummer, yep. or they are in late because, you know, so like all these things, I think you can also think about from a, it's so easy to focus on when you're running fast. Like we talk about like value add versus non-value add activity and optimizing and which one you should optimize. And most people and companies work on optimizing their value add activities, Mm -hmm. which account typically for about 15% of your day. Yeah. And so really you should focus on non-value add activities. Yeah. And this feels a lot like that where no one says like, is it a critical business function for us to walk up and down the stairs? Right. Like you'd be like, well, no, (laughs) but it really is right. If people fall down the stairs beyond the, I mean, this feels like, 
I don't know, callous to say. Like beyond, obviously, there's a problem because you've injured someone, and there's then legal issues, and it's going to be very expensive. Right. But there's also the issue that like your production is going to grind to a halt. Yeah. <laughs> and so it makes very good sense in every direction to make sure that even if things are slightly slower or slightly more expensive, that they're yeah appropriately. I don't know. Like you said the other day, like you can't have people packing things on the floor. Like when I eliminated our shipping area and uh-huh. I was saying like, you know, optimize for like the eight, the, the 85 or 90% of the packages. Yeah. But like, yeah, you do need a plan for the big stuff. You don't want people just like herking around a really heavy box on the floor, bending over. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the banister. Um, clearing the production area. We've been trying to get stuff out of production area. I mean, you mean just like excess extraneous just stuff yeah. yeah yeah like i i made the um mistake uh well it's only time will tell <laughs> of uh buying very cheap tools at an auction oh and they were so cheap i was like oh yeah you know, are you talking about all those presses and yeah stuff? so now we have like a bunch of pneumatic and manual presses sort of clogging up our <laughs> yeah. our space and like they were so cheap that like, I'm not sure it was a bad decision, but I also wonder if it was. It was probably not a bad financial decision, but <laughs> it sounds like it was a bad decision in terms of your current state and what it's doing to your space. Possibly. Yeah, I don't know. And, and then once we implement them for that cost, will that be worth it? Probably not. I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, so they're in there. We've we found a good, a nice, you know, a better place for them where they're sort of out of the way. Yeah. But they're still taking up space in what is a very small shop. So, um, just in general, though, I think like that's something we don't do enough. Clearing out extraneous stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't think we have a very good three S habit. Uh huh. I would say. Yeah. We've we've more or less fallen off, and. Yeah, it's really hard to establish these things and have them stick in this. Like, I guess I keep coming back to this, like, making production versus process improvement mindset. It feels very, very key. And it's very hard to break when, I think especially, I mean, maybe forever, but especially at this phase of business where, like, where like the ongoing financial viability of the business feels tenuous at times. Right. Not to focus on production, you know, like yeah. seriously. Right. Um, it can be really, really hard to try and switch that gear. Yeah. I think for us, like I, I, and I don't know where to land on this. I feel like we are making a lot of changes. Like the shop is a bit of a mess since we totally, like we rebuilt the whole end of it and moved a whole bunch of stuff around and it's not dialed. Like it's not super clean and nothing where it shouldn't be. And everything, you know, everything's organized and visually clear. Like I don't think that's our strong suit. Mm -hmm. And yet all of the improvements we've been making feel really worthwhile. Like, I don't know if I'm under, valuing how much like a clean workspace and a non-cluttered workspace would enhance the work. Yeah. Maybe I am undervaluing. Yeah. Yeah. I think I am as well. Um, but also I don't know how to deal with that 
as compared to like improve the bottleneck of like uh uh-huh. I I just don't know. I don't know if like is it just I think it can be hard to even find the bottleneck when you're working in Yeah, maybe that's medium chaos. (laughs) Medium chaos. (laughs) That's our new shirt. (laughs) Um, Yes. So that was uh, clearing out the production area. It's going to be an ongoing thing. Just getting rid of stuff. It's easy to accumulate and Mm -hmm. hard to get rid of. Um, And then lastly, I spent a lot of time um, reprogramming how we make are one inch cams um, with, I mean, it, it is now, so I finally proved it out fully. We let it run for a bunch of hours with us in the shop um, and it all runs well. Cool. Um, there were a number of things I didn't foresee that I felt like I should have foreseen. Like machining wise or just general like process? In, yeah, so we switched to those taller inserts, higher profile insert. Um, with the goal of basically sometimes the blocks of aluminum come unclamped and break a bit. Yeah. And that bit is $50. So it's sort of a bummer. Yeah. But also then we have to like stop the machine, take, you know, whatever, do a tool change, all that stuff. Um, and so, yeah, so, so that, that was the reason for the taller inserts, but then in making those taller inserts, I didn't really think about how like so now when we feed in op two when we bring the gripper fingers down we can't feed down as far because the gripper fingers hit those taller inserts Mm -hmm. i sort of didn't consider that ahead of time Mm -hmm. and so we had some of that i in reprogramming after i made the soft jaws (laughs) realized that like the tool like it's it gets so tight getting the tools in to do all the cutting yeah and we're talking about forty thousandths of an inch here, so I guess in my head I was like, "This is great." It's all, you know. I anyway. The I didn't, height difference is forty in, thou in the those inserts. Uh-huh. They stick up an extra forty thou. Yeah, which sounds extremely minimal, but <laughs> until your tools are running into them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I I guess I was a little, I don't know if disappointed in myself is quite the word, but that I didn't. I feel like I should have thought it through more ahead of time. Of like will going back to the like running experiments, like viewing yeah. things as, as experiments rather than implementing quote unquote solutions. Yeah, I was like, oh, the aluminum blocks are pulling out. There are these taller inserts. Great, that's a win. Get those taller inserts. Right. Not let me go through my programs and see how many of them I can actually put them in mm-hmm. and do a real analysis of that. I feel like we talk about this sometimes. Like sitting down with a spreadsheet. Yeah. Right when you're like, you know, how many job types do we have? And it's like, well, can you just go through some of your data and put yeah. that into five buckets? It's very embarrassing. There's so many things that we've brought up on this podcast oh, that I need sure. to do that for that I still haven't done. Yeah, because it feels like a total waste of time, I think, rather than just, you know, I have a gut feeling that it will work. And so we're going to move in this direction. Yeah. And I think that was the part that I sort of was noticing is like, I made that improvement. I did get it to work, but it felt like a little bit of luck uh-huh. that I was able to squeeze it all in. Yeah. And that's a little worrisome, I guess. I think this is also... This and I already had... I, I had already spent like a day and a half. Yeah. Including machining stuff before complete... Yeah. Anyway. I think this is one of those scenarios... Well... To tag on to what you just said, it's a very important place to sit down and run the experiments because 
I think it would be easy. I'm, I'm guessing as you to be like, I run stuff on a gripper system every freaking day. Yeah. I know this system inside and out. Right. When the reality is, is like you've done like maybe 10 of these layouts right. ever. Yeah. Right. Over the past three years. Right. So in reality, like you barely scratched the surface on yeah. actually designing these systems. You've done a handful right. of them and they've been iterative and like kind of like a little bit, not to throw you under the bus, but like a little bit piecemeal, like you've yeah. just been figuring it out as you go. Right. And so I think this is a perfect example of, of recognizing that your gut sense based on your daily interaction with this system does not relate to the reality of your knowledge of the system. And I, I deal with this all the time as well. I think it's a yeah. universal human thing. But it's also like back to the quote, right? It's yeah. like the experiment. Like if I had come into that, let, let me rephrase it. If my if someone was working for me and they said, hey, I'm going to change to these inserts, I feel like I would very <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> easily say like, okay, yeah, here's the process for figuring this out, right? Uh-huh. Step one, model it up and make sure that our tools will clear it. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. But then I skip it because... Right, because you have a gut sense of... Yeah, it's of like, um, Capability and comprehension. Yeah. It's very hard to manage... It's like standing in the window of a burger joint and thinking about how they do production. <laughs> uh-huh. Like I don't do that in the, with the same. It's hard to bring the same level of like clarity and perspective, of course. Yeah. To your own stuff, but yeah. Little slap on the wrist that I, <laughs> you know, I did get away with it. Um, in doing that, uh, I was talking to Rob Lockwood about. He had some very cool ideas around getting the post processor to output. Um, the XY coordinates of the stock centroid. Yeah. And that might take some math, but basically it could, it could rewrite your, not rewrite, it would export the data to the right macro variable so that it could do the pick and place based on your, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. It sort of got me thinking about how to system, you know, I, <laughs> up to, of this system, like placing the part back into the vise yeah. after the flip. Um, this is kind of in the weeds. Uh, it's a more variable process. It has it has a stack of variables yeah. that make it feel tricky to be able to write, the, like not have to hand edit the program and not, like right now, every time I output a program, I slow the machine down as it loads up too and watch it and then tweak it to get the x y and z correct uh zooming out into more broadly in terms um you know shigio shingo uh there's a section on in his boots (laughs) set don't adjust yeah right like at the very least i should know exactly where it should go and i should write that number into the program it shouldn't be like uh yeah so like a big part of the smed system um is this idea of like set don't adjust well no standardize but if it's not standard set don't adjust meaning things like on an injection molding machine you need a certain temperature of your mold to get like where the plastic fully fills the mold cavity but then uh let's see 
I, instead know, of not, like running a shot and seeing how it filled and then bringing the temperature up a little bit exactly. and then running another shot, you have some way of measuring the temperature of the coolant. Yeah. And so in an example he has in the book is like measuring the temperature is people would put their hand on the, on the hose coming out of the mold of the cooling water coming out of the mold. And then they would adjust an open close valve to feed more or less water through the mold. Yeah. And so it's totally done by feel. Yeah. And by guess and check. Um, And so immediately i in my head i was like oh and the the solution to that was like putting markers on the valves right so exactly i thought like oh you point. do a pid loop and whatever and it's like no you put a piece of wood behind the valve yeah. and put an arrow and increments as it turns yeah like i think they added a bigger hand wheel to the valve so it was more mm. fine-tuned and then you can do that guess and check per part yeah once and then record the value you like where that valve should sit which is what you're doing now but you should be able to take that to the next step of not doing the first guess and check exactly i think it should you know those are all it's a fully deterministic system so yeah in cad i should be able to at the very least pull the numbers out and at best the numbers would be fed automatically to the system yeah Anyway, so fun to think through. Um, I think back to the thing you've been saying over the past few episodes about like you need to eliminate the chaos before you can really improve things. Uh huh. I feel like step one is sort of thinking about like documenting all the variables that lead to that op two position. Yeah. Well, I was going to say to the whole design process of of a gripper automation fixture yeah. is like what are the variables you have. Right, like they're not, they're probably, if you sit down to write them, is under 20. Uh, yeah. That you could. That would fully describe. It would fully describe all of the yeah. potential conflicts yeah. in a system like that. Um, and then you would have something you could, you could follow yourself, which right. sounds like would be helpful, or yep. you could hand off to somebody else easily. Yep. <laughs> and will I do it? <laughs> Only time will tell. Got to make that. Uh, 30 minutes a day or whatever. Yeah. I have a lot of 30, 30 minutes a day items. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. I'm so behind at the moment with the holidays coming up and mm. there's a lot of projects I'd love to get done in time. Yep. And people waiting on me for all sorts of information. Yeah. That's hard to be a bottleneck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, the joys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, Wrap that's all up. I got. Thank you all for listening. Um, you can find me on the internet at lichenprecision.com, on the Instagram, lichen underscore MFG. And you can find me at austeremfg.com and austere underscore manufacturing on Instagram and the podcast at incremental CI. Um, also, we have a Patreon if you haven't already go have a look support what we're doing if you find you're getting value from this weekly uh exploration um yeah consider supporting it yeah and continued feedback is great we love the conversations that have begun and continued from this and uh if you have been secretly harboring thoughts and you want (laughs) to talk to us thoughts or resentments (laughs) shoot us a message (laughs) we'd love to hear it And we'll talk to you next week.